Want to hear some inside scoop? If your kids are as ready to go back to school as mine are, you gotta check out Kohl's. I got my daughters the cutest sew tops for under 18 bucks, Jansport backpacks for 25% off, and 30% off Levi's jeans for me. I even saved an extra 15% and picked up Kohl's cash. So, yeah, not sure who's more excited right now, me or the girls. Select styles. 15% off ends August 15th. Levi's coupons do not apply. Some exclusions apply. See store calls account for details. When it comes to working at GEICO, our best advocates are our employees, like Maxine. But since she's so focused on growing her career, we hired an actor to read her story. At GEICO, I love mentoring the new associates to help them make this a career and not just a job. And with new opportunities and job stability, GEICO has been helping people grow their careers for over 75 years. The only downside? She still hasn't met the gecko. Where are you, fella? Ready to start your career, Fredericksburg? We're hiring claim sales and service agents. Apply online today at geico.job slash Fredericksburg. If you came across this podcast to hear some analysis of the Democratic presidential debate on Wednesday, I'm sorry to tell you, but you're not going to get it because I, I, I honestly, I didn't watch it. of America. Here's the podcast where we talk politics, a little entertainment, some culture, and this and that from the road to your ears. This is Trend Chat with your host, Brian Bledsoe. But you will get a continuation of our candidate series. So you will get that. Hi, I'm your host, Brian Bledsoe, and this is Trend Chat. And if you want to connect with us, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, TikTok is all the same name at Trend Chat 24-7. You're hearing us either on TrendChat247.com or one of the, I guess, most popular podcast outlets. So I appreciate you listening in. I really do. Matter of fact, I also, also want to put out um if you, you know want to message us you go to well you can either you can send us a message on any of the social media but also we have our um our email which is trenchat247 at gmail.com you can leave us a email there as well so again appreciate everyone listening and like i said we're going to continue with our candidate series that uh, matter of fact there's this one and one more um Unless something happens, unless I someone else comes comes along that wants to wants to be interviewed. Uh, speaking of of these candidates in Texas, and I don't know uh, where else, but early voting has started. It started on Tuesday, the eighteenth. So you know, if you want to get a uh, get a head start on um on voting, you can head over. I will say the one website I can think of that will help um, if you need some information on at least where the you know your polling locations and all that would be votetexas.gov. Votetexas.gov, and 
that that seems to be a pretty good resource so um but yeah like i said early voting has started so <laughs> with that i have two more episodes so in saying that that's why i'm looking to do the next one on tuesday um and instead of the next you know next thursday because i want to get this out is a bit sooner than um within the early voting window i mean you never know someone could be listening listening to this particular podcast and may i don't know give them more information on the candidate and they you know choose to vote for him or whatever so i want to give make sure i i give them that opportunity at least by putting the um the next one will which will be on no, next tuesday with a tuesday coming up so um with that like um this one's probably not going to be nearly as long um mainly because i don't i just want to get to to the interview and also just have a, a couple of things um with one of our mentioned about the early voting and also before we get into um our interview uh, in this episode which is with um jason morochik and you, well, you're here in the interview because I was <laughs> trying to make sure I try to say his name right. And also, if I didn't, for him to correct me so you'll know <laughs> know how to say it right and know who, who he is. And so we'll we'll have the interview with him later up. Um, coming up. I said later up. I just thought about that. I, I was thinking later on and coming up. I put two together and said later up. <laughs> um, but, um, but, uh, but yeah, so also want to talk about this um i guess i, I guess it's kind of a a story that kind of went on the radar i mean i i did hear about it so uh but um about the boy scouts which has filed for bankruptcy don't really have a lot to speak about it but it was just a coincidence as far as how this even came about so before we get to that let's uh hear a word from our friends at the Founder Project. This is Trend Chat. Hello to fans of Trend Chat and Brian Bledsoe. The Founding Project, an education nonprofit dedicated to civics, invites you to visit our brand new website. Visit us at thefoundingproject.com. Be a part of the civics movement with The Founding Project. The Founding Project is a 501c3 education nonprofit. Please join us today. Hey everyone, this is Lucia Scaramacchia and you are listening to Trend Chat. So last week when I was oh I was in Alabama, driving through Alabama actually, and um and well before I get any further in, into this, we are broadcasting from Kansas. No, <laughs> I've forgotten where I'm at. Um I am in Oklahoma. I am in the what uh, what you call it, the panhandle of Oklahoma. Um on my way to El Paso tomorrow. So, but yeah, 
last week I was driving through Alabama on my way to Kentucky for to um, to deliver somewhere, and I bring this up because I was getting fuel, and right beside me was a a truck with a big trailer on it, um, a, like a pickup truck, not like the truck that I drive, but um, this truck had a trailer on it and it had a a wrap around it um for the for the boy scouts for that particular troop and i guess in that area and it, this was the weekend so i'm guessing they were going to on some camping trip i don't know i didn't ask about that part but anyway um i saw um saw the guy he was out there uh you know pumping gas and whatnot and anyway i was asking them where they were you know where they were headed and he was saying to um i forgot where he might have said it then that they were going on a camp trip i just might have forgotten that part but um but anyway i was um by seeing that trailer and seeing you know just the boy scouts because they was all in the uniforms because also you know the, the actual boy scouts uh were there too and i was telling him that it's um you know a lot of a lot from what I learned from the Boy Scouts, I have, you know, used to this day. And one of the things, especially being a truck driver, is knowing my bearings. You know, kind of have, you know, knowing where I'm at, um, having the confidence in knowing, you know, knowing where North is, because all you gotta do is, you know, look at the sun, and then you know which which way is North and knowing how to use the compass and, and stuff like that and as a truck driver that is you know very helpful um especially because even though we all have gps i mean you have gps on your phone and all that and in your car um and we have gps in our trucks but sometimes it doesn't work or sometimes it's um it you know directs you to the wrong place and and you may be <laughs> maybe all in the middle somewhere and don't know which way to go because the GPS is wrong or you don't have any, you know, coverage. You don't have a cell signal. So it's not going to connect to give you directions, stuff like that. So if you have a general idea as far as where you need to go, cause I, you know, being the truck driver, I'm, if I'm on the road and say for instance, my GPS it doesn't work and I know I need to be going north or need to be going east or west. I, I know how to at least go in the general direction. Um, and that's all from stuff that I learned from the Boy Scouts. All this being said, um, because it was such a coincidence that I had this conversation um, with them at the, at the truck stop. And like two days later, then the news came out that the Boy Scouts are um, filing for bankruptcy. Now, it's not like they didn't um, they didn't help <laughs> they didn't um, bring this upon themselves. Put it away. <laughs> because one reason why I would say is that because they have um, succumbed to as so many other organizations have and capitulating to, uh, to those that basically don't even, um, they just want to destroy 
you know, an organization like the Boy Scouts. And so they'll do all sorts of, they'll try to boycott and try to bring up all sorts of, um, any, anything to try to bring this organization down. Now, don't get me wrong. There's some things that actually happen as, that need to be, um, addressed. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about the other things as far as, as uh, when they wanted to want them to not refer to themselves as Boy Scouts or um, wanting to have girls or transgender um, in the Boy Scouts and all of that. And I think if almost at every turn, they just agree um, to, to everything. And, from that, that just built up a steady de- decline of the Boy Scouts. And <laughs> I will almost say this is kind of a, a bit of a, um, I guess you call it a cautionary tale. It's kind of something I saw from, because I, I saw something from Steve Dees on um, Blaze TV a couple of days ago about this. And he was saying, the title of uh, the video was Boy Scouts, a cautionary tale. But I would think this to be maybe a precursor <laughs> to Chick-fil-A. Uh, <laughs> with how they're now kind of backtracking on some um, some of their values and kind of in the same way, kind of capitulating towards organizations that frankly just want to... Um, to destroy um, them, and you know, it, I'm not saying it will happen right now, but over time, just like the Boy Scouts, over time, as they keep agreeing and just bowing down to all to all of this from from the left and from Democrats, progressives, or whatever, over time, it's going to get to the point to where they're not going to have the support that they normally have from the <laughs> from the people like you know like myself or like any uh, christians conservatives or whatnot they don't get the support from um uh, from that side and they're not going to get support from the left because they're just asking them to do all these <laughs> all these things but then when they do it and they agree all they're going to say is, is that's not good enough. That's not good enough. It's never enough. They just keep moving the goalposts, keep moving them. And it is never enough. And then to the point to where now they've totally abandoned all their values, all their principles to the point that they're not getting support from their core, um, uh, group of people. And now they just left out the dry. And so that's what I'm saying. Like, I think, you know, Chick-fil-A could turn out being this way. They think they may be getting something now, um, but in the long term, you know, I don't know. It's just something I was thinking about um, when I'm hearing about the Boy Scouts. Also, when I think about all this capitulation and how these organizations just want to, you know, they, they have this thought of like, I don't want no, I don't want any trouble. So just leave us alone. Okay, sure. All right. Uh, you want transgenders to come in? All right, fine, fine. Um, you want girls to be in the Boy Scouts? All right, sure, fine. Just, just leave us alone. But it's never, it's never enough. They're not going to leave you alone. So you should fight from the beginning. Just said no from the start and just fight and fight. <laughs> and, um, because 
understand where they're coming from. They're not coming from a place that they think they're coming from. They feel like, well, if um if we agree to this, then they'll then maybe they'll just uh, not you know uh, not be as harsh on us later on. It also kind of reminds me of you know, especially Republicans in particular that a lot of them, especially around this time to my primaries and because um, a lot of these incumbents, I will say have this, I don't know, this need to, to placate the other side. So they tend to want to vote on, um, on their issues and vote with the Democrats on some issues just to seem bipartisan or to, but then when it comes around <laughs> when they need help or they want something passed, then Democrats just totally just, no, nah, we're not, no, nah, we can't pass that. We can't, we can't work with you on that. They just, it just, it's really a one way street. Uh, whether we're talking about with polit- politics and, you know, politicians or these organizations, all this talk from the left, from Democrats about tolerance and all this. And it's all, it's just a one way street. It's all it is. Cause it, it's nothing. You're not going to get anything in return. Really? You're just going to alienate your base <laughs> and then basically just leave yourself out the dry over time unless you just get to the point the way you just you would just totally like i said before abandon everything and just say okay we're now just going to appease the you know these progressives the left we're going to do everything they want want us to do maybe you'll survive maybe but hanging around in the middle it's not going to work so anyway just i had to get that off <laughs> because um like i said i i was talking to these boy scouts on um the weekend and then all this happened and so but yeah so anyway all right we're gonna get to our interview um with jason and like i said so we're gonna hear a word from politics and after that we'll get straight to our interview Hello, this is Brian Bledsoe, host of Trend Chat, also contributor at Politichicks.com. Here to tell you about the new book called Politichicks, A Clearing Call to Political Activism, with over 300 pages from contributors like myself, talking about topics such as education, social issues, healthcare, the Second Amendment, and of course, activism. I encourage you all to check it out at Politichicks.com, and is also available at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. What's going on, folks? This is Colin Noir, and you're listening to Trend Chat. And we are very pleased to have... One of the candidates running for U.S. Congress in District 26 in Texas, and wanted to talk to him him about the um, his campaign and the issues that he's um, passionate about. His name is on Jason Mio. Mio. I'm doing this on purpose because I want to make sure you tell me how to how to say your name. So Jason <laughs> Mavotic. Yeah, that's right. It's Morochuk, and uh, thanks for having me on the program, Brian. Appreciate it. All right. So, um, first, for people that don't know, where is District 26? So, Congressional District 26 includes almost all of Denton County and uh, parts of Tarrant County that include uh, Watauga, Keller, North Richland Hills, a little bit of North Fort Worth, uh, some of uh, South Lake and, and West Lake as well. 
All right, so yeah, that'd be in the DFW area, and um, that's right. Okay, and one thing I wanted to ask is, what uh, inspired you to run? Well, the day that I graduated from West Point, I took an oath to support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. It means as much to me today as it did on the day that I, I took the oath. And it's the same oath that members of Congress take. Uh, but the problem is, is that uh, with a, uh, only a handful of exceptions, the majority of our members of Congress uh, are completely falling down on their job to honor their oath, uh, including our, our incumbent representative here. And so, you know, to me, uh, though I don't wear the uniform anymore, uh, it, it's unacceptable to me for someone to take the same oath uh, as some of our service members who are doing more than just, you know, serving in Congress, right? They're putting themselves in harm's way. Harm's way. Um, so, and all we're asking our members of Congress to do is to stay within the four corners of a document, and they're not willing to do that. And, again, that is unacceptable. And so uh, for that reason, uh, as well as some others, um, I've decided to, to run against uh, the incumbent here in Congressional District 26. Okay. And from looking at your website, you're just uh, seeing a couple of uh, at the shows about principles and issues, and just just want to go down through the issues in particular. So, and when it comes to national defense, um, you have kind of like the headline being peace through strength. And so, what does that mean? Yeah, I mean it's important for us to have a strong national defense because you know we we can deter a lot of of aggression. We can deter deter a lot of of potential adversaries militarily just by being in a position of strength. And so it's important that we continue to fund our, our military to uh, very high levels so that we are com completely ready both uh, from a force projection, from a numbers perspective, as well as technology to make sure that we are on the cutting edge of, of, uh, of any battle that we, we may find ourselves in. And so, um, but, but peace through strength also means that if we're strong enough, that means that we don't also need to be putting our, our people in harm's way, right? Projecting that, that power uh, and that strength, I should say, uh, is as important to making sure that we don't have to enter into conflicts when it is, it is not warranted, right? So um, every time that something bad happens in the world doesn't mean that we have to send people there. Uh, when, when our national security is, is at risk, you know, our citizens, you know, our ability to, to be prosperous as a nation – um, th those are the those are the times when we ought to be using our our military uh, in a defensive manner, not in an offensive manner, unless of course it's it's required through any sort of pre uh, preemptive strike, uh, because we know of somebody who is anticipating uh, a strike against us. And there's a lot of a lot of entities out there who have who've made claims that uh, they wish America were. Uh, no longer in existence, right? And so we always have to be aware of that. Okay. Now, I kind of want to go to another issue that you have and kind of, I guess, kind of ask a question within national defense. So uh, for budget, you have as a headline, and they're being constitutional spending only. And the question I want to ask you is, um, so when it comes to national defense, how would you, how would you want to appropriate um, money for national defense by doing it constitutionally. 
Right. So, so constitutionally, obviously, we are authorized a standing Navy. And so, uh, again, based on, as I said previously, you know, making sure that our technology in the Navy is, is top-notch, that we are making sure that we are able to protect our force uh, globally to protect our uh, interests, our people, and our national security. And then, of course, uh, the, the Army, uh, we're authorized only to raise funds for up to two years in order to uh, maintain an army, right? And so that's why we are, our budget for the military is done um, every two years. So, you know, based on our current force needs, our current budgeting, you know, that is all we, we should be looking ahead, um, you know, unless we have a longer term horizon for any sort of conflict that we either anticipate or that we think is, um, that we need to extend and to make sure that we are protecting, again, our interests. So constitutionally, though those are the ways that we need to, to spend money for, for national defense. Of course, there's more, obviously, from air assets and, and uh, um, national uh, homeland security, et cetera. And also, to, to the point of illegal immigration, when it comes, that's another issue when it comes to as far as spending goals and also as far as but also wanting to, you know, protect our, our borders. What would you look to do? to combat illegal immigration, and on top of that, to go along with the spending as well, how would you uh, want to combat that as well? Right. So, I mean, everything you said so far, uh, these are all constitutionally authorized uh, reasons for spending, you know, tax dollars. So on the immigration front, um, you know, and as you probably know, you know, I, I call it an illegal alien invasion because it has been happening for so long over it's a, a long period of time. It's a silent, long-term mostly a you know, non-armed invasion, right? And so there's, you know, probably five things that are critical for us to to do. The fir- very first one is we have to secure the border. We have to put a physical barrier in place um, at, the bo- at the southern border. And the reason we have to do that is because it doesn't matter what enforcement actions we take in, in order to reduce the effects of, of the illegal alien invasion. We can deport people. But if we don't have a physical barrier that is defended, that is, you know, that we have overwatch over to make sure that uh, no one is trying to to defeat our our southern uh, barrier, then it doesn't matter because it'll be only it'll just be a revolving door for people who want to come back here. So, number one is we have to have that physical barrier. The second thing that we need to do is we need to put the fear of God into the employers in the United States to make sure that they are not hiring legal aliens. So that is one of the biggest magnets that draws a lot of the illegal aliens here, and that is the, the chance to get and to work in the United States, where wages are, are way better than they are in their home country. And so it, it means that we don't just go after the, the big employers and the big cities for photo ops. We need to go after also the small mom and pops in the small, uh, the, the not big cities, you know, the, uh, the rural areas and middle America where there's just mom and pop operations. No employer can think that they are, you know, beneath the radar. They have to know that every time that they make a decision, it's a conscious choice that they may be facing severe fines or prison time for the decisions that they're making. The first oh, thing quick. that we need to do, yeah, is, is until the asylum issue came up, there was, probably 40% of the illegal aliens in the country were because they were overstaying visas. And so 
you know, while we are beginning to put biometric um, technology in place to track them on their in- entry and their exit, if they actually abscond while they're here, we have very little uh, enforcement in the interior to, to track these folks down and get them out. So they basically get a free pass. And anytime you give criminals a free pass, it's just going to invite more of them here. So we have to go after these folks. Uh, and that requires some spending of money to, to increase the resources to do so. Uh, the fourth thing we need to do is we need to just absolutely put a stop to any sort of amnesty, uh, not amnesty, sanctuaries. Amnesties too, <laughs> but sanctuaries for sure. Uh, we can't offer sanctuary to people who are breaking the law. And that means, in many cases, elected officials who are knowingly aiding and abetting these illegal aliens by offering and, and voting for sanctuary city status or sanctuary jurisdiction status. You know, it is a violation of federal law. You know, Title Eight United States Code, 1324, they can go to prison for up to 10 years if they're aiding and abetting somebody that they know has come here illegally and they're encouraging them to stay. And so we need to go after people, including elected officials who are doing this. And then the final okay. thing that we are already starting to do, the number five, is to clean up some of the asylum uh, loopholes. And some of that's being done, but there are several things that are, uh, are within the Attorney General's power right now to fix that problem. Okay. And now um, now another issue that you have that I, that I see on here that I'm a big fan of is talking about it says economy because the headline you have there is, is let the free market reign, which is something I am definitely a fan of. Now, I kind of want to combine this with another issue just so we don't have to go through each one. But because when I see health care, I also see another one. Um, well, I also see health care. Um, as well, and I, I'm a proponent as far as letting the free market reign when it comes to healthcare. So I just want to bring those two together. So and just and for you just to mention, I guess what it will be your idea for healthcare and also the free market in general. Yeah, you, you teed that one up really well. Uh, those two do go together very well uh, because, as you probably know, uh, healthcare and insurance have no business being in our federal legislation or our budget, right? They're not, nowhere to be found in Article 1, Section 8 of our Constitution, which gives us our enumerated powers. And so, absent any federal uh, involvement, our health care system ought to be one that is driven by the free market. And that means getting the government out of the, out of the middle. And, you know, your, your best health care and my best health care is affected when there is no one between us and our doctors. That means no government. That means, you know, no one's deciding which procedures I can and cannot have or which tests you can or cannot have. And it also means that it should be between my doctor and me to decide what the value for those services are and what I'm willing to pay and what he is willing to work for the money that I'm willing to pay him. Uh, the problem right now is that we have a an element of price fixing in because the Center for Medicaid and Medicare Services essentially fix the prices, and so that reduces the competition. It means that there's basically, you know, a set of prices that, that I'm um, I'm probably going to pay, and it's not going to vary very much from that, and uh, the competition between doctors is stifled. So getting government out of the middle of all that is, is a key component. Now, the, the amount of regulations going on in the healthcare industry um, is, is, is not letting up. Um, and it's also it's doubling down, right? The the incumbent in my district was the was the author 
and the sponsor of a bill called MACRA, which basically disincentivizes doctors from taking Medicare patients. So the seniors are the, the ones that are most affected by some of this, uh, this regulation, especially MACRA, and it's causing them to uh, either lose their doctors, have to shift to different doctors, you know, reduce the amount of services they're able to get, uh, reduce the amount of time they're able to be seen by doctors because they're now under the, uh, the regulations of, of larger conglomerations. Uh, and so it, it's all bad news. Anytime you get government in the middle of that, it causes problems. So for the rest yeah. of the economy, obviously it's the same. The, the less the government has to do with the economy, the better, because we'll figure it out. You know, the, the laws of, of supply and demand will take over, and, and we'll figure it out. Yeah, and now um, I guess one qu- question in within healthcare, um, even though I don't agree that it's healthcare, but even though um, when we talk about um, abortion, unfortunately it is lumped in there, and I just want to ask you as far as, because that's one thing I don't see in particular, so what it, I guess what is your stance as far as the abortion? Yeah, I, I generally call it uh, murder instead of abortion because you're taking a, a live human being and you're ending its life and you're doing it with prejudice, right? You are choosing to do that. And everywhere else in, you know, our, our laws, we call that murder, and this is no different. You know, life begins at conception and it ends at natural death. And if we take uh, positive steps to end somebody's life uh, between that without due process, that is called murder. I wanted to ask that one in particular, and I also have another one because it's on what well, last issue, at least on the one by your website, is about the Second Amendment. I'll just read this right quick because it's, it's short. <laughs> uh, shall not be infringed. Words still have meaning, and the Second Amendment is written in plain English. There are no caveats or conditions. Shall not be infringed. Like I said, it's pretty short, and it's sweet, and it's great. <laughs> And now, so from that, my question is, just by reading that, I'm guessing you're not a fan of the red flag laws. <laughs> no, any any law that infringes on our right to keep and bear arms uh, without any sort of due process in between is not a law. It's an unconstitutional enactment, and it ought to be repealed. It ought to be uh, refused. It ought to be uh, stood up against, and so... Uh, I'm glad to see a lot of these so-called uh, Second Amendment sanctuary jurisdictions popping up. And, you know, even if they don't have the weight of, of law, it's good to see that the it's the sense of the, the people that this is happening. And so I'm hoping to see even more of of these happen. Um, but but more, more than just saying that we shall not, you know, uh, assist in – any sort of gun confiscations or gun control, I would like to see somebody, uh, you know, a, a sheriff or a county commission stand up and say, not only that, but we shall direct our law enforcement personnel to actively resist any attempts to enforce gun laws or uh, unconstitutional legislation. There's a big difference between saying, oh, we're not going to participate and but we'll watch it, and, oh, we will stand between our citizens and anybody attempting to enforce unconstitutional legisl- uh, enactments. All right. Well, you know what? That, I think we could just end right there. I just I wanted to get through, you know, the issues, and so everyone will know what you stand for. And so 
if uh, people want to know more about you, whether it's through website or social media, where would they go? Well, I appreciate the opportunity, Brian. And uh, anybody who wants to find out more about my campaign, to volunteer, to donate, uh, they can go to jasonfortexas.com. That's Jason, the numeral four, texas.com. And uh, we're having a lot of great success, getting a lot of great feedback, and people are ready for a change, and uh, we're going to make it happen. So thank you for your service, and I hope to have you on again, and hope all the best in the primary. Well, it was my honor, and uh, I look forward to seeing everybody out at the polls on March 3rd, and uh, we're going to win this thing. So thanks again, Brian. Hey, this is Antonia Okafor with Empowered, and you are listening to Trend Chat with Brian. And thanks to Jason for joining us. And again, as I mentioned in the in the beginning, early voting has started in Texas. So, and that website that I mentioned was um, votetexas.gov. So, if you need some more information as far as you know polling locations and and times and and all of that. So, also want to give a shout out to cultural life we really appreciate them being on as a podcast partner um as they seek to celebrate the world of fashion you know celebrate life through the world of fashion (laughs) kind of got ahead of myself but yeah um it's great to have a pro-life uh fashion line out there because you take your pick and it (laughs) All the major fashion, you know, you know, Louis Vuittons or whatever like that, all of them, you know, I'm pretty sure I'm, all of them are pro-abortion, pro-death of innocent lives. So it's great to have a company like, like Culture for Life. And if you go to their website, COL, which is Culture of Life, col1972.com, and you put in the code TRENCHAT, you get 10% off. So they have um, all sorts of different um, um, shirts and other accessories. And um, just check them out at col1972.com and put in the code TRENCHAT. You get 10% off. So appreciate having them and uh, look forward to seeing them at, at CPAC next week as we make our way to D.C. for um, for another CPAC. So um, that's it for, for this episode. And I wanted, but before we completely sign off, I guess since we only have one left, I can go ahead and mention who will be on next week, which will be on Tuesday, which we'll, we're shooting for. It'll be John Francis, and he is running for the Texas House, and we'll have our interview with him. And that's the, that will be the last one, unless something comes up, <laughs> someone comes along, or I guess that wants to get a last second interview before before early voting ends and so uh yeah thanks for listening and until next week we'll chat with you later
I can pop a beer in here, right? Your cousin from Boston. This here is Sam Adams Boston Lager. It's my go-to beer. Not too heavy, not too lo- Oh boy, oh boy. <sighs> That's, whoopsie daisy. Oh no, is there somebody, somebody that can help? Come on in the room. It just, it poured right in the keyboard. Relax, I spill beer on my computer all the time. Sam Adams Boston Lager. The Boston Beer Company, Boston, Massachusetts. Drink responsibly. Switching to GEICO is a good idea, especially when you consider everything. First off, GEICO makes it easy to switch. They have licensed agents available 24-7 online or over the phone. But if it's so easy, you might start thinking everything is easy, even big wave surfing. And it's not. It's actually quite difficult. Well, if you switch to GEICO, you could save hundreds on car insurance. And you could keep saving by bundling your motorcycle, boat, and RV, plus your home or renter's insurance. But saving money might lead you to make some questionable purchases, like a 20-foot feather boa. And do you know how hard it is to clean a 20-foot feather boa? Well, they do have an industry-leading mobile app you can use to pay your bill, file and manage a claim, or add a new driver. But when life gets a little easier, it makes you too confident. And you start calling everyone ace. And you're better than that. Well, GEICO has a 97% customer satisfaction rating and has been saving people money for 85 years. It's hard to beat that. But you're right. Switch to GEICO. It's obviously a good idea.